today we are talking about what I've titled the heart of the matter. And the, the focus here is when we communicate, how do we communicate effectively? And what I mean by communicate effectively is how many times have you been had conversation with like someone you love and you're trying to communicate to them that you love them and what they hear is criticism or they hear is some kind of attack or maybe they just think, oh, you're, he's so needy or she's so needy. Somehow what you're trying to communicate isn't lining up with what they're listening. And we're gonna talk about how to align our heart and our mind basically so that when we speak, people get what we're saying. I mean, really get it. Not just through their rose-colored glasses, but even through their rose-colored glasses, a hint of your authentic self touches them in some way. And this is super important, particularly with marriages and couples, because couples so often fall into a pattern or a patois of misinterpreting one another. They see the other person as their mom, Maybe they see them as their dad. Maybe they see them as someone else that's been important to them, but they don't see you or the other person. Clear communication is based on intention. And intention is a word that is totally, totally abused today. A lot of times we talk about setting an intention. I'm gonna set an intention to become a millionaire. I'm gonna set an intention to be really spiritual. Oh. An intention is not a goal in the sense of an accomplishment. An intention really is an emotional state or a better way to put it is if you wanna be a millionaire, what are the thoughts of a millionaire? What are the feelings of a millionaire? How does a millionaire speak to people? If you're gonna set the intention to be a millionaire, then you need to be a millionaire, even if you don't have the millions to back it up. You're gonna be it in the way you feel, in the way you think, in the way you act. This is, a, by the way, a very popular prosperity teaching that's out there in secular and religious groups. But the reason why it's popular is there's a truth to it. The truth is that what we put out is what we get back. So if what we put out is neediness or fear or anger, what we get back is neediness, fear, and anger. If what we put out is love and peace and harmony, what we get back is love and peace and harmony. If what we want is understanding, we need to put out understanding, which is tricky because when we want something, it implies we don't have it. All right, so an intention is an emotional state. It's not just um, an intellectual goal. It's the state of being in that place, being there. If you ever get a chance to see the movie Being There, by the way, old school movie, um, it's actually quite lovely and really gets this point across what it means to be there, what being there, how it impacts people. And actually it's a great movie about, I've got potential span here. It's a great movie about also about this quality of people misunderstanding us. All right, so how do we set an intention? We set an intention first by thinking about the actual goal. Goal setting in itself is not a bad thing. We're thinking about 
if the goal is to have a relationship with our with the mother of our children or the husband of our uh, the, the father of our children that is based on mutual respect understanding and love that then we're setting that is setting a clear intention maybe what we really want is we want a happy marriage but what is a happy marriage and so we need to get under what is a happy marriage I and mean, what i just said was uh it could be mutual respect, love, and understanding could be what we feel is a happy marriage. So it's not just, I want a happy marriage, or it's not just, I want to be a millionaire. It's what does it feel like? What are the feelings? What are the qualities that make a happy marriage? What are the qualities that make a millionaire? And we set the intention by thinking about what it is we want getting to those things underneath it, and then saying, all right, so today I'm going to speak to my partner from a place of understanding, I'm going to exercise understanding. I'm going to be loving no matter what he or she says to me. I am going to be loving and I'm going to be respectful, right? Those are the three qualities I outlined. So I'm going to respect them. Even if they slap me in the face emotionally, I'm going to be respectful. And that's totally different than um, what people typically do. Typically what happens is they say, I want a happy marriage. And then they go to their partner and say, gosh darn it, why don't we have a happy marriage? You should be more respectful. You should be more, why aren't you more loving with me? So you, you get the difference, right? If we approach them from that place of you should be and why aren't you? Then we're inviting them to speak to us the same way. And inevitably what happens to our communication is it gets all garbled or actually we often don't do it that extremely. Instead, we go to them and we say, hey, you know what? I've been thinking about it and I realized that I really want our marriage to be more respectful and loving and have deeper understanding. How does that sound to you? And on the other end, what they're hearing is you're not loving, you're not understanding and you're not respectful. They hear, they, they receive, they hear it as a criticism because it sounds like you're saying our relationship isn't, but I want our, you're saying I want, I want our relationship to be here because it's not. Instead of what I'm suggesting to you, which is to come from that place that you say you want. If you come from that place of love, they will respond with love. If you come from that place of respect, they will respond respect. And if they don't respond with respect, if they happen to not trust you so much or not trust their own judgment so much that they don't get it, get it, know that you're authentic. They may test you by pushing on it. And when they test you, this is kind of the turn the other cheek. Why do we turn the other cheek when our enemy smacks them? Because we wanna, smacks us, because we wanna show them that we really love them, right? The whole concept of turning the other cheek isn't that we should be suffering endlessly. It's that if we are really coming from a place of love, respect, and understanding, then when that's tested by the enemy or the person that we want to share in that feeling with us, when we respond to that smack by saying, wow, that was really painful and I still love you, then they know it's authentic and that we are people of principle and that we set a true intention. And when we do that, when we act from that place, they get it and things start to shift and change. Now I'm working with 
uh, actually a number of couples right now. And I can think of a couple of instances where they're having trouble with the other person receiving the intention. So what that means is either their message is a little garbled, they've still got some fear and some other things going on in there, or the other person may not want that. Right? And that's the other possibility. Sometimes what we want is not what the other person wants. Sometimes what we want, they've had it, they've, they're done. They just don't see the possibility. They're already checked out, they're gone. And so in that instance, we get to keep practicing what it is we want, because the truth is we don't really want it from them. I'm gonna say that again. The truth is we don't really want that feeling from them. The only person who can really give us that feeling is ourselves. And so by practicing staying in that emotion, we're giving that feeling to ourselves, even if the other person can't participate. So it is a win. And it's a win for them because they are seeing that at least we care. Maybe they don't want to have that kind of relationship with us, but they get that we authentically care. Not that we're coming from fear and want to control them, not that we're coming from anger and want to bludgeon them, but that we really care. Okay, so we talked a little bit about confusing intention with goals. And right there in that example, there is an opportunity for that to happen. So we've set a goal of, I want a relationship, a happy marriage, but the other person doesn't want to play. And so we need to get clear that the goal is not necessarily a happy marriage. The goal is to have the intention live. And as long as that intention lives, and if what we really want is a happy marriage or partnership, that's going to happen. It may not happen with that person. I mean, let me be really clear. If they don't want to play, it may not happen with them. But if we're coming from that place, we are in a space where we can create a partnership with someone. And the person who that resonates with will inevitably be drawn to us or we will be drawn to them. <clears throat> Why does this work? Because intention lives in the future. And without getting into, uh, without throwing concepts out there like time doesn't really exist. It's just something we made up because our limited minds can only perceive reality in chunks. I didn't actually put that out there. I said, without putting that out there, um, the future only lives when it lives within us. So what does that mean? That means if we reap what we sow, if we get back what we put out, if there's a future that we wanna to move to, again, we need to live emotionally in that future now. And the more we emotionally live in that future now, the, the more that future comes into being, the more the people around us respond to the feeling that we're putting out. That we put out a feeling, the people around us respond and it resonates with them and, that, and we start to have that future that we desire. Or it doesn't resonate with them, they move away. But people who it does resonate with come into our life. That's the idea of acting from the future 
it's like imagining it. You know, studies show that if you imagine yourself doing a dance that in your for to your mind that is as real as actually doing the dance olympic gold medalists envision themselves receiving the gold medal envision themselves at top performance and their mind sees what top performance looks like and experiences it and then as they train towards going to the Olympics, they actually start to perform better and better because their mind is already there and they their body comes up to where their mind is. It's because of this unique human quality that what we imagine feels as real to us as what we actually do, that we can set an intention for the future and make it happen, make it happen that sounds a little godlike. Make it happen within the boundaries of being a human being on this earth is probably a better way to put it. Because we can imagine having a loving relationship. We can imagine being a millionaire. We can imagine what it's like. We can do all the research into finding out what is it like to have a loving relationship? What is it like to be a millionaire? We can find out how these people act and what works for them. We can start to act as if we are that person in the future that we say we wanna be. And by being that person emotionally now, we start to act like that person and more and more we that future becomes now, all right? And that's the distinction really is, what is the future really? It's someplace we wanna be. What do we always experience on a day-to-day -day basis? Now, if we always imagine someday I'm going to be there, but we never have the experience of being there in the now. We can't be there. We can't have the now. Okay, so what gets in the way? The Olympic gold medalists will tell you what gets in the way is their previous experience of not being the top performer who's standing there getting that gold medal their beliefs about who they are as an athlete, their experiences, the things that have shaped them, that's what gets in the way. In less plain English, the human being or the human mind is 80% unconscious programming and 20% conscious action. That 80% unconscious programming is thoughts, beliefs, ideas, ways of doing things that we've executed over years that happen automatically without thinking. Just like our unconscious mind somehow tells our body's heart to keep beating, our autonomic nervous system, I think they call it, tells us to breathe and our hearts keep beating and all that good stuff. Our unconscious mind guides us in our social interactions or our interactions with uh, physical reality is probably the best way to put it. It's looking for danger. It's looking for gold. It's looking for love. It's looking for all these things. And that programming helps us and it gets in the way. And so the challenge is identifying the parts of our programming that are getting in the way. If what you want to be is a millionaire and you've got a belief that rich people can't be spiritual, they can never make it to heaven or go to God, no God, 
then, and going to heaven's important to you, you're gonna have a conflict. If you're a religious person and you really study it, what you learn is it's the love of money, not having money, that's the problem. And what makes a rich person, what makes it difficult for a rich person is attachment because people who have a lot of wealth tend to have a lot of stuff. And so the programming you work through is number one, identifying that it's okay to be rich. And number two, as long as you're not too attached, you're probably gonna be happy. Maybe even go to heaven if that's something you believe in. When it comes to relationships, it might be that you grew up in a highly conflicted household, that you saw nothing but conflict as a child, that you've never seen a parent have a healthy, loving partnership that's based on understanding and respect. And so all your programming is that doesn't happen or that happens for other people. And so you're going to need to work through that programming, reprogram it. No, that does happen. No, I can conceive of it so it can be. And because I can conceive of it, it can happen for me. You're going to affirm that and reaffirm that and root out any belief and any thought and any feeling that's not in alignment with that so that you can be that person who's having a loving, respectful, and understanding partnership. And as you root out that programming and reprogram your, your unconscious mind, the more possible and the more likely it becomes. This is, but this was really about communication, right? But before we get to communication, I just wanna say, the longer you've held a belief or the longer you've been doing something, the more work it's gonna to be to shift that thing. It's kind of like um, an emotional river has been going through you. And the longer that emotional river you know, it moves in the way that it does because of a, a boulder, which is a belief, a belief that's a boulder that says um, relationships are difficult, understanding unlikely, conflict normal, disagreement normal, and high conflict, which stops love, just part of the game. That river, emotional river moves through you with those boulders in place the deeper that river goes. You know, the Grand Canyon is basically a river that's just dug its way down, 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 down. Emotionally, our river can go down, 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 down. And removing those boulders or chipping away at those boulders and shifting that emotional river from someone who has trouble with understanding, respect, and love, is used to conflict and uh, lack of harmony, to becoming someone who is comfortable with love understanding and respect, that could take a lot of work. Uh, and those feelings, those beliefs, those emotions aren't just ethereal, they're in our brains, in our neural network, our, our, our neurology of our brain uh, supports those beliefs and feelings. And so part of what we're doing as we change our thoughts and shift our feelings and change the way we act is we're rebuilding new neural networks in our brain and that takes time. And so the point is, the longer that river has been flowing, the more time it might take to shift it, unless something really radical happens and, and turns your life upside down. That's going to be some kind of major bottom or aha moment. And usually those are contingent on a series of events that take you there. They don't just happen all the time. We don't have aha moments every second. 
Or maybe that's a limiting belief I have. Maybe a limiting belief I need to work on is I can have aha moments every second. Maybe that's part of changing my thoughts. The point being that it takes work. It takes that effort that I just made there when I said one thing and shifted it to something more positive, that would be an example of how we work on our thinking so that we're more open to positive possibilities. And the more open we are to those positive possibilities, the more our, the wider that river becomes, the more we shift that neural network, the more we become the future that we are envisioning. It's an inside job, folks. It's an inside job. And the way this impacts communication with our partners is the more we are chipping away at those beliefs and shifting those thoughts, the more authentically we're expressing our love for them, the more authentically we're expressing our deep-seated need, want, and desire to understand them, have empathy for them, and vice versa, the more we are creating respect. And they get it, and they feel it, and they sense it. And as I said earlier, sometimes they can't receive it. Sometimes we've created a relationship with someone from a space that we are in, if we're in this space of less possibility of love, understanding, and respect, and we're moving to more possibility of it, we made that relationship, that contract with them when we were in that space. And maybe they're not ready to move with us. And we can't control them. We can only manage what's between our own ears. And even that is a gargantuan effort. So we're commun now we are communicating love, understanding and respect to them. And they're going, that's not real. That's not real. That's not real. No, I'm used to that other thing. I'm used to you being controlling. I'm used to you being manipulative. I'm used to you being angry and abusive. I'm used to you saying you want something from me that I'm trying to give you and you just can't see that I'm trying to give it to you. I'm used to you being critical of me. This can't be you. This new you can't be real. And so they're either going to get it over time that it is real and see and recognize it that it's something that they want, or they're going to just stay in that relationship that you built with them when you were in the negative space. But you need to walk forward with faith and confidence that you do reap what you sow. And if they're not ready to move with you, and in fact, they may say, oh my God, I want nothing to do with you because some part of them just can't be around people who are authentic, loving, and understanding. I know that sounds bizarre, but there are people like that. They just don't trust it. They don't believe it's real. They want nothing to do with it. They prefer to be where they're comfortable. Their own boulders, their own emotional boulders force them. I mean, force almost being the wrong word, encourages them to stay where they are. And they're not willing to chip at them. They're not willing to move that boulder to be where you are. If they're more comfortable in that place and unwilling to move that boulder in within themselves, they're not gonna come with you. But you will reap what you sow. Make no mistake, stay in that place so that when you communicate with people, you're communicating from confidence, from love, from self-respect, respect for others, from empathy, compassion, a desire to make a difference in other people's lives. Come from that place and they, they will get it and they will either be drawn to you or be dissuaded from you. And so the 
Next podcast on the Richard Relationship Podcast next week, uh, actually, no, in two weeks, is going to be on how to communicate effectively. This piece is where to come from. That piece is what are the tools, what are ways that you can learn to express yourself in ways that people really get it. So they kind of go hand in hand. You do reap what you sow. Now, shifting those boulders, you might be able to do it on your own. It's easier and faster with another person. If you have some confusion about this, questions about this, if you want some help shifting those boulders, reach out to me, rich at richinrelationship.com or schedule a discovery call with me, bit.ly forward slash end the fight, all one word, E-N-D-T-H-E-F-I-G-H-T. Reach out, let's connect. It's a complimentary call. And I promise you, you will walk away with next steps. And they may not be about working together, by the way. You may not want to work with me. I may not want to work with you. Or it may be that whatever it is you're up against is really not suited for what I do. But I'm going to make sure that you have whatever next steps you need to get where to that future that you're envisioning, that you're imagining. All right, so that is the heart of the matter. And, and that is how you apply the heart of the matter to matters of the heart. Thank you so much and have a wonderful, wonderful day.